Hello and welcome to episode number 24 of the Creative Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Michael Wallace and my goal is to help your ministry become even more creative, strategic, and effective so that you will make even more of an impact as a ministry leader. Today I'm excited to bring to you an interview uh, with a guy that I recently met named Brady Shearer. He is amazing and fantastic and has a lot to say about how your ministry can be effective uh, and creative and strategic uh, in today's world. But before we get to that, I want to let you know about the Twitter poll that is out today. It's all about Easter since Easter's coming up in just a very short amount of time. Um, so check that out. Go to uh, twitter.com slash creativestudentmen or check us out on Instagram, Ministry, and you can go to creativestudentministry.com. Uh, for some great resources, including the Creative Student Ministry ebook that is now available through downloadyouthministry.com. You can check that out as, long, uh, as well as a bunch of other great resources. So um, all that stuff's available for you. Thank you again for checking out uh, this episode, and I hope you enjoy the conversation with Brady. Uh, well, I'm here with my uh, my new friend, uh, Brady Shearer. Um, he's with an awesome organization that I believe is in Canada. Brady, uh, how's it going, man? I'm go- I'm doing well, Michael. Thanks for uh, bringing me on the show. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Would you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, so uh, I run a company called Pro Church Tools, and uh, you are correct. We're located in Canada, Niagara Falls to be precise, so really close to America. I can almost see you guys from here. And uh, yeah, we're, we're all about helping uh, churches see the 167 hours beyond their Sunday services. There's so much of our resources allocated towards this one-hour weekly event. We see this huge opportunity, 167 hours outside of Sunday, where churches can be reaching people with the hope and uh, reconciliation of Jesus. And, you know, not, it didn't used to be that possible, but with the Internet and digital and how connected we are to our phones, really we spend way more time there than most of your community and church is going to be spending at your church in that hour service. And so how can we reach people and reach our existing church in that time outside of our Sundays. So that's what we do. Uh, we've got about uh, seven, eight, it's hard, I lose track, uh, employees here. We've been doing it for about uh, three years, and we're having a blast. That's awesome. I love that uh, that mindset of, of trying to get to the 167 hours outside of the service time. I think so much time is focused on that, and so much creativity and strategy is focused on that one hour. Um, but there's so many more hours uh, where connection, community, and life change can totally happen. So um, I love that. I, I totally uh, think that's awesome. So um, so a couple questions for you, Brady. With your expertise, with your experience in ministry, um, where do you see uh, the student ministry leaders, whether they're pastors or volunteers, uh, where, where can they hustle the most to reach their community of, of students, middle school, high school students? Well, I'm glad I'm on this podcast, Michael, because rarely do I get to put my uh, youth ministry uh, student ministry expertise to any use, but I actually I, ha- I went to school to be a youth pastor. I have my degree in theology and youth ministry. Did my four years on, uh, in bachelor's in that. So you know I, I ended up starting this company halfway through college, and so I never went into um, vocational ministry in that uh, respect in any way. So you know I'm just going to bring all that fire into this podcast. The awesome. Four years, 100k <laughs> that I spent on that degree, it's coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, really, everything that all communication comes down to attention, Michael. So, where is attention being paid, and how can we get that attention and then use it to, you know, inject some hope and love and uh, truth of Jesus into people's lives? So, you know, one of the things that 
we really believe here at Pro Church Tools is that attention is the most valuable commodity that your church can possess. Meaning if you don't have a kid's attention, it doesn't matter how great your message is, doesn't matter how great your event is, doesn't matter how great your ministry is. If you can't get their attention first, none of those things will matter. Same thing on a Sunday morning. If a pastor can't get the congregation's attention, it doesn't matter if he's got the greatest message in the history of all pastors because no one's going to be actually listening and engaging with it. And so we like to you know, start here with attention. And what's great about students and teenagers and the like is that we pretty much know where their attention is. You know, I'm a millennial. I'm 25 years old. And the generation behind me, Gen Z, whatever they end up getting called, you know, we are the first generations of digital natives. We grew up with phones. We grew up with iPhones. We grew up with apps and we grew up spending our time on social media. I just got this notification last week from Facebook saying, hey, you've been on Facebook for 10 years. And it started kind of going through. I don't know if you ever got these notifications on Facebook where it's been like, you've been friends with, uh, you know, Roxanne for 10 years. And yeah. I, I was reliving this week. Every day I get a new update from Facebook saying you've been friends with this person for 10 years. And I remember I added those people in youth group. I remember we, we all started transitioning from MySpace over to Facebook. And I started adding those people like each day. I was like, oh, I added Brittany from a youth group. I added Roxanne from youth group. I added Brandon from youth group. And, you know, all of them have now been friends with on Facebook for a decade, which, which is just crazy to think. And so we know where kids' attention is, and that is on their phones. That's always where I think the best place to start is. And then when it comes to where that attention is today, I mean, that's something that's always changing. I mean, you've got Facebook obviously still being the most giant uh, social network in the world, 70% of all American adults are on there actively. But when it comes to our students, Instagram and especially Snapchat are the big things now. And, you know, what, the, the big key that I want everyone to, to take from this is that you, you can't become nostalgic about a platform that you had some success with in the past. Meaning, if all the kids aren't using Facebook anymore because that's more of an adult grandma platform and they're all on Snapchat, then you need to stop being nostalgic and, and, and lovey-dovey with Facebook, recognizing, hey, you know, we need to move on from this. So this is something that almost every leader, church or otherwise, struggles with. We do something, it works well, and then when it stops working well, we refuse to acknowledge it because we're like, no, 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 this worked in the past, we're going to make it work again. And it's so hard to get people's attention already that what we always suggest you doing is just go where the attention already exists. Meaning, you know, don't keep trying to get them back to where they used to be. It's what we see churches doing all the time. Like, you know, just, just come back to our Sunday service. You know, we still have live events. Church is great. And, and the whole world is like, well, we attend church a lot less than we used to. We're a lot more of a secular culture than we used to be. And, and, and the church needs to react to that. And same way when it comes to student ministry, you know, if, if, if uh, you know, Instagram stories drops and kids start migrating over there, great. If they don't and they're on Snapchat, then we need to go there. And it's all about going to where the attention is, Michael, figuring out where the attention is and then going to where that happens to be in any given moment. I love that. And that when I was, when I was in student ministry, I would always use the, uh, the analogy of uh, the little mermaid uh, it, just in, in relation to staying within the bounds of where uh, the facility was. I'd always say you need to be where the people are. Um, so a lot, a lot of the same, same strategy works. You want to hustle, where the people are. She, Ariel wants to be where the people are. I have young kids, so everything comes back to Disney movies right now. Um, but Man, my, I have a two-year-old, and I just can't wait until she's old enough <laughs> to start singing along with all the kids. I love like all like pop music and like Disney songs. So now you and have an excuse. My, my kids are not quite 
not quite old enough, but too old. You probably have like Radio Disney on the car. Air yeah. Air. So hustle, hustle where the people are. So that's specific to your community, not even a, a broad stroke of this is where all the world is. It's no, where is your community? That's where you should hustle. Go where the people are. Cool. Um, okay. So if they, if the student ministry leader has, let's just say a hundred dollars that is now uh, freed up in the budget of uh, the, Deacons come back and give them a blessing of $100 that they can now spend on anything ministry-related that they want to do. What's the best thing they can do with that $100? Well, we as churches know that we're working with limited resources. You know, this, If there's anything I've learned working with thousands of churches over the last couple of years is that we're all working with limited resources, even the biggest churches. Um, surprisingly, sometimes can have the, the strictest budget constraints. And, and it doesn't just refer to budget. It also refers to volunteers. It refers to the amount of hours you have in your given week uh, on staff or in, you know, in your leadership role. And so what we want to do is, is find the, the absolute best way to spend our money and get the best return on investment. Meaning, yeah, you could probably get a billboard for a hundred bucks if you really hustled. You could probably get a print ad and do some mailers, but is that going to give you a good ROI? Um, same thing when it comes to, you know, you could do Twitter ads with that. You could do Instagram ads. Uh, you might even be able to do Facebook ads. I think if you have a hundred dollars, I think the best thing that you could do is uh, get a Snapchat geo filter and, and put it around uh, your region at different uh, big events. So if your uh, if your region has like let's say you're doing like a fall fair, I might, when I how did I grew up? Every September we have the fair come to uh, come to our little city. Uh, maybe you have some kind of uh, festival. You know, the town that I went to high school in, they had every year called the Potato Festival. We were the potato capital of Canada or something. You know, maybe it's something like that, or or maybe it's a, a big sports event if you're a bigger city, or maybe it's. You know, a big, uh, you know, in, uh, I live near Toronto now. There's tons of festivals there. Any play, anytime that you know in your community that you're going to have a large amount of people gathered, and especially if they, you know, lean towards your age demographic for students. You can even do this around the high school, which will be really cool. Um, you can set up a geo filter. It's so inexpensive. Snapchat's attention is so underpriced right now because, you know, it's a, it's a new ad platform. People are still trying to figure out. You set up a geo filter that, like, you know, ha- has a link. Um, back to your student ministry, like mentions it, you can do something creative there. Uh, you're going to be able to do that. Like you can get tens of thousands of impressions for like under a hundred dollars because Snapchat's geo filter is so inexpensive because it's local. You know, if you run Facebook ads and you do it like to the world or do it to like the entire region, lo- you know, you do a local geo geo filter that's you know a, a one kilometer radius around the high school or something. People are snapping and and they and they then they become aware of you. And, and that, that can be a huge, huge win for, for your student ministry. That's awesome. And for those of us in the States, a kilometer is a little bit more than a mile. You're, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I, you know, I, earlier, though, earlier, though, I said Generation Z and not Generation Z. Most of the time, I'm pretty good with the Americanized language. But yeah, the <laughs> kilometers slip right through me. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's another, that's a great way. Uh, if you're not on, on Snapchat, um, it's a great way to get, uh, again, right where their attention is. Um, I think we've talked about that several times on this podcast uh, with different people, just the effectiveness of of using a Snapchat filter. And you're right, they're very inexpensive. Uh, and really, especially if you not that's something you haven't done before. I know uh, when I first started involving Snapchat geo filters in ministry, you actually, the students in your ministry that are on Snapchat, that are, that are know that platform, will get really excited to see a, a church that yeah. they love in a platform that they spend time in. And they'll, they'll be all behind that and, and really help you out with it as well, especially if you don't really know how to do that. Just ask your students. They can walk you through it and they can do it for you. So, uh, well, Michael, a, I want to ask suggestion. you this because 
this has come up several times in the past, and, and you're connected to student ministry, and so you'll, you'll, you'll have a great answer for this. What are um, pastors' general response when it comes to having a Snapchat account themselves? Are they generally apprehensive, or are they like, oh my gosh, all my kids are here, I need to be here? Uh, I think there's a there's almost a generational gap within student pastors um, that if you're if you're over thirty there's a, a almost a distaste to it. ah it's Snapchat that thing started off with the the disappearing pictures and it's not really appropriate but then any anybody under thirty is is more like well but there's so many benefits to it and that's where students are so I, I think there's a little bit of that back and forth um, most consistently over the last couple of years I've seen more student ministries choosing to have a a Snapchat uh, account just for the ministry, not for the individual uh, student pastors. So that, that way they can present content and do stories and, and have connections, but not do the, uh, the one-on-one chat thing. So that, that's kind of the, the medium bridge uh, decision mm. that I've, I've seen right, take place. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least there's a bridge there that, that, I mean, ministries and pastors are willing to take because yeah. yeah, it's, it's just so upsetting when I see people, and pastors like writing off Snapchat. I mean, in an ideal world, I think that, you know, a pastor would be willing to put in the effort to learn the platform where their entire students are. Like, sure. it just always seems so backwards to me. You're working like so hard and demanding your students to, you know, and every youth group is different. So I'll just use my youth group as an example back, you know, 10 years ago. We're like doing so much work to get students to an event so that they can do some worship that's louder than the regular church and then hear a message that's a little bit shorter than the regular church and, you know, has some analogies that make more sense to students. And you're like working so hard to, you know, you need to become part of the church. You need to act like the church does. You need to be one that comes weekly and, and gives to the student ministry and, and disciples and evangelizes to your friends. And then you have the youth pastor and, and all the kids are like, hey, this is the platform that the entire generation you're serving now uses more than anything else. And the pastor's like, well, you know, what? I can't learn that. I'm old. It's just like, you got it. This is a two way street, bro. Sis, like this has to work both ways. And, uh, you know, I've had some firsthand encounters with pastors like this and it's just so upsetting because like, what are you even like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like I, I've seen your youth group's mission statement. Like I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to reach people and you're trying to make, make disciples. Like why can you not do that through the biggest platform where your students spend the most time? seems like such a no brainer. So that's why I wanted to ask you about it. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested now that Snap is uh, is being traded publicly. If the perception will be yeah. will shift at all, because Facebook seemed to do that once they went public. Uh, it had this uh, just a completely different vibe and feel uh, once they had this almost this foundation in the economy. Um, I'm curious as to see to see what happens with the older you know generations as they see the effectiveness uh, economically with Snap. Uh, if that has any impact on the way they see. Uh, the platform for social media. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating because, I mean, we had, we, I feel like last summer we were at the tipping point for, for Snapchat becoming like a really mainstream platform. I remember there was this day where I released a course on Snapchat for churches, a podcast on Snapchat for churches, and what I called the ultimate guide to Snapchat for churches. That very same day, I got an email from Instagram and their announcement that they were doing Instagram stories. And I was like, well, that was the worst timing ever. But, uh, and, you know, and, and then everything shifted from that day because you yeah. had this huge demographic of people that were like, well, 
I guess we got to get on Snapchat because everything's there. And then Instagram copies their features, and then suddenly you have this huge demographic of like 25 plus or 30 plus saying, "Oh, great! Now we don't have to go to Snapchat because right. Instagram Stories is, you know." And and that tide like really, really like reversed. And so it'll be interesting to see what Snap does in, in the coming months and years to like undo that. But you know, and this is what goes back to what I early earlier uh, said earlier, which is, you know, platforms are changing all the time. And so you can't get romantic about one or nostalgic about one or, or, or feel like, well, this is what we're going to do now because we're living through the biggest communication shift in the past 500 years. Things are changing at the, a more rapid pace than ever. And you know, we, didn't, we, didn't be at, we weren't asked to, if we wanted to be born during this era, but we were. And so it's you know, incumbent on us to react to that and to minister to people in this generation and, and in our lifetime, knowing that the culture we live in is crazy crazy rapidly changing it's just how it is and we have to be aware of it and we can hate it but we have to react to it either way absolutely you uh, heard uh andy stanley say years ago um culture is like the wind uh you can you can try to ignore it but it doesn't change it you can spit into it but that's not going to help the best thing you can do is try to harness it and and allow it to propel your message and and uh thrust you into community um, by harnessing the power of the culture, spitting into it is just going to get you wet. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Well, let me ask you one more, uh, one more good question. Um, and this is a question very specific to you, I think, because if you have, uh, you see, like you said, thousands of churches uh, over the last couple of years, and you've seen how they've strived for community online. Um, we talk about Snapchat. Uh, that's more than one-on-one. There's, there's Facebook with groups. There's lots of different, uh, text apps that you can use, what's the most creative way or some of the most creative ways you've seen churches be successful in trying to have community uh, happen online? Well, I think the big perspective shift that our churches and, and student ministries need to make is that, you know, most churches are posting online content that is pushing people back to their live experience. And so the question that I always like to ask churches is, hey, what would you be posting online if you didn't have a Sunday service or a Friday service or a Tuesday night service or, you know, whatever that live event is that you're always trying to get people to attend and get them to come to more regularly, if that didn't exist, how would you go about accomplishing your mission without it? So for, I mean, we're an online company here at Pro Church Tools. You know, we don't have any like clients coming to us in real life up until recently. We, you know, we didn't even have an office. We just worked like, you know, remotely or from my garage or before that from my one bedroom apartment, you know, all of our clients, everything we do is served online. So we're living in a world where you don't need any physical representation to, to do stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I am not diminishing the live events that our, our youth ministries and our churches do because they are incredibly important. And the gathering of the body of Christ is essential. But if all we're doing on social is then pushing people back to our live events, you know, we're completely missing out on the opportunity to do social the way that it's meant to be done. And, uh, you know, the, the one way I like to think of it, Michael, is I don't know if you remember any of those old commercials from uh, monster truck rallies. They would come through the city and, you know, they'd only be there for like one or two nights. And so they'd be like, well, you know, we got to do everything we can to get people to our monster truck rally that run those commercials. Or they're like, you know, Sunday, 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 be here. See all your favorites. Great, you digger. And, you know, like your, your ticket pays for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> you know, and, I remember those. Yeah. Like that's what I like to call direct response communication. Where like your whole, the whole entire goal of, of this type of ad 
is to get people to make a commitment. You know, another example would be someone comes to your door, they're selling knives or, or whatever it is that they're selling. They want you to make a commitment. This is direct response communication, direct response marketing. And, and churches generally only use this type of communication online. It's always like, Sunday, 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 be there, be there. Our new sermon series, Grave Digger. You know, it's like <laughs> the exact same thing. Uh, you you tied you know, for the whole seat, but you don't need the edge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I would love to see a church use that promo. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but our pastor says, you'll only need the edge. So, <laughs> but what, then we compare that to another type of communication. There's basically two types of marketing communication. There's direct response which would be the monster truck rally example. The other side is the last year during the Super Bowl, Volkswagen aired this ad of the Star Wars movie Force Awakens had just come out a couple months before, so we were in this big Star Wars craze. And the ad had this little kid, and he was dressed up as Darth Vader. And he kept going around different rooms in his house, and he'd try to use the Force to move something. So he'd go up to his cat, and he'd stretch his arms out to the cat, and you, know, you can see his arms like, you know, just, vibrating because he's trying so hard, working so hard, expending all this energy, trying to force move the cat, goes to his cereal that his mom prepares for him. He's trying to move the cereal. Finally, dad gets home and, and you can see the kid in his Darth Vader costume. And he's like slumped over because he's so sad. And he walks outside. Dad just pulled up into the driveway, turned off the car, went inside. See the kid right in front of the Volkswagen car. And then the scene cuts to mom and dad inside the house looking out at their son, who is just so disappointed. Son, Besides, you know what? I'm going to give it one more shot. He thrusts his hands towards the hood of the Volkswagen, and he just starts, you know, expending every last bit of energy he has. And then his dad and mom are looking on. Dad pulls out his keys and hits the remote start on his uh, car key. And the car turns on, and, and Vader, little baby Vader, jumps for joy because he finally was able to use the force, harness the force, to turn on the car without actually touching it. And at no point in that commercial... Does Volkswagen say, hey, you should buy our Volkswagen Passat, the 2016 model, you know, limited time, you can come in, get employee pricing, we'll give you a $100 rebate. Like, car, cars, car companies do that sometimes, but in this instance, they didn't do that at all. And both of these types of communication need to exist. You need to have direct response communication, and you need to have this other side, which is called branding. And when I say branding, it has nothing to do with the colors and fonts and, and logos of your ministry. It has all to do with what you want people to ascribe to you when they think about you. And so when Nike releases, you know, an ad, they did a big, uh, a big ad role during the all-star campaign for uh, the NBA in February. And the ad had LeBron and Serena Williams in it. And it was all about, you know, when you're on the basketball court, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are or what gender you are or what religion you are. Everybody's equal. And the whole point was like, Hey, we should all be treated equally. And at no point in the ad does Nike say, Hey, well, LeBron 14s are coming out soon. You should cop a pair because that's not what the ad is meant for. It's meant for branding. It's meant for you to watch the ad and then say, man, yeah, I like that. You know, I, I, I'm on board with what Nike's saying. And then you feel like you're a part of the Nike tribe. You feel committed to that brand even just a little bit. And, and then next time that you go to shop for shoes, maybe you're more likely to run to the Nike side of the store rather than the Adidas or the Under Armour or the Reebok side. And so, Churches do a really good job of this branding type of communication in service, right? We've got the message, we've got the worship. You know, those aren't asking people to give money or to sign up for events or to attend a service. You know, that's the branding side. It's you feel really, um, at, at, you know, you like the way that your pastor preaches and you feel like, man, I'm a part of that tribe because I, I, I get that. You like the way that your 
church leads worship. And you're like, man, I feel like I'm a part of that. And so what I want to see churches is to actually do more branding online. The only way you can create community online is if you have people, you know, interacting with one another and feeling like they're a part of the tribe. And one of the best ways to get people feel like they're a part of the tribe is through this branding marketing. And then, you know, it looks, what does it look like for churches online? It looks like telling the story of one of your youth and, you know, the struggles that they went through and how youth group, you know, meant a big deal to them and the friendship that they found there. You know, it has to do with doing recaps of events that, you know, don't say, hey, come to our next event. It's just like showing how awesome it is to be a part of the youth group and the great things that are happening. It's storytelling. It's, it's stuff like that. We already have the direct response down online, Michael. We're very good at saying, come to this event. It's $7. Make sure your parents are okay with it. We're not so great at the branding side online. And so um, hopefully that kind of breaks down. Like that's kind of like a big macro view at uh, marketing communication. But I think without that, it's hard to fully understand what we should be trying to do online. So hopefully that wasn't uh, too much of a rant on, on marketing. No, that's awesome. I, I think that what uh, when when student ministry leaders hear that, they may go, wow, I have to go get a marketing degree to implement this strategy to connect online, when really it's as simple as you are surrounded in ministry, you are surrounded by stories. And that's your content. The more you can present uh, the story of this student who didn't, they were afraid to ever come to youth group. They didn't want to be part of it. And over a couple of weeks, our students uh, really embraced them, made them feel at home. And now they they are experiencing community. Or this girl who, uh, you know, that her life was uh, was a mess and she really thought that this was over and she was contemplating uh, self-harm and suicide and all this kind of stuff. And because we our students connected with her, it's changed her life completely. Those stories are everywhere in the youth ministry. And this this branding marketing is simply taking stories that you already have and presenting them in a way that shows people what the true effect of the ministry is. Uh, the true effect of your ministry, I think, as you're saying, isn't we have an event. It isn't the logistics of the ministry. It's the heart of the ministry. Yeah, and, and, and to clarify, like we talked earlier about attention and how that really is the starting point for really anything that you're trying to accomplish. And one way to get attention is to go where the attention is. We talked about that. The other way to get attention is through storytelling. Storytelling is the only type of human communication that forces our brains to focus. I was at a service with my brother-in-law just a couple of weeks ago, and he's sitting in service, pastor's preaching, he's on his phone on Facebook. Pastor transitions from whatever he was talking about, and he says, you know, I had this friend named Whitney, and the other day, and he was like half of a sentence into a story, and my brother-in-law, without even thinking about it, looked away from his phone, he was on Facebook, and immediately looked up and started listening to the story. I lean over to him, and I said, you, you realize what just happened? Like, your brain prioritized <laughs> another human telling a story over Facebook on your phone. And he's like, oh my gosh, it just happened. Because we talk about it all the time, storytelling. It's the only type of communication that forces your brain subconsciously to pay attention. You know, it, it's not a conscious thing. Someone starts telling a story, and we all start listening. And telling stories is so easy because we're, you know, wired for it. There's a reason our brain subconsciously reacts to it. It's because we're hardwired to tell and engage with story. And so, you know, the branding versus direct response, those can sound like complicated words that got intimidating. It all comes down to story something that you were designed by God to do. Love it. Everyone can do it. And and that is what so many people who are outside of the church need to know. Uh, they need to know those stories. They need to see the effectiveness before they're going to be willing to put their trust or their time into the community that you offer. Um, so, man, I appreciate you uh, being willing to come on the podcast. This is just all gold, just piles and piles of gold. So um, if you have been listening and you're going, I need to listen to this one again, do it because 
Uh, Brady's got great wisdom to share. Uh, Brady, if anybody wants to connect with you guys at, at Pro Church Tools, how would they get, go about doing that? Yeah, the home base for everything we do is ProChurchTools.com. Uh, we do a ton on Instagram, just my personal name, Brady Shearer. And if that is too hard to spell or remember, you can just go to ProChurchTools.com. That's our home base for everything, and you can find everything there. Awesome. Brady, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for listening to Creative Student Ministry Podcast. Uh, that's all for this time. We'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.